Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. Then the woman, verse 6, she fled into the wilderness where she was placed. She has a place prepared by God, notice, and they should feed her there 1,260 days. That sounds familiar, doesn't it? What is 1,260 days? It's 42 months. It's three and a half years. Commit that to your memory because you see it over and over again, and it's speaking of this last three and a half year period of really unprecedented wrath upon the earth. everyone, and welcome to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's Bible study on Truth in Christ Radio. We learn today that the woman who is being persecuted by the dragon is protected by God in a prepared place for 1,260 days. Some believe that the place in the wilderness where she flees to is the rock city of Petra, south of the Dead Sea. Reportedly, Christian businessmen have been stocking the place with food and evangelistic tracts written in Hebrew. Now let's join Pastor Rob with today's message. Imagery, notice the words that are used. It had huge iron teeth. It was devouring, breaking in pieces, and trampling the residue with its feet. It, has di- it was different from all the other beasts that were before it, and it had ten horns. Does that sound familiar? We just read it. Ten horns. I was considering the horns, and there was another horn, a little one, coming up from among them, before whom three of the first horns were plucked up by the roots. And here, in this, and there, in this horn, were eyes like the eyes of a human, and a mouth speaking pompous words. Who is this little horn? It's the beast. We know him as the Antichrist. He's coming. He's going to be a very well-spoken man, I'm sure. In Daniel chapter 7, Again, in verse 21, in another vision, Daniel says, I was watching, and the same horn was making war against the saints and prevailing against them until the Ancient of Days came, which is a a reference to God. And a judgment was made in favor of the saints of the Most High, and the time came for the saints to possess the kingdom. Thus he said, The fourth beast shall be a fourth kingdom on earth, which shall be different from all the other kingdoms, shall devour the whole earth. And he he gives the description again in verse 24. The ten horns, he even defines it for us. The ten horns are ten kings who shall arise from this last kingdom, this revived Roman Empire. And another shall rise after him, and he shall be different from the first ones, and shall subdue three kings. He shall speak pompous words. And down in verse 25, it says, Then the saints shall be given into his hand for a time, times, and a half a time. You're going to see that phrase. We've talked about it. You're going to see it. It's referring to this last half of the tribulation period, this 36-month 36 36 
period or three and a half years. 1,260 days. 42 months, however you want to slice it. And then in Revelation chapter 13, which we're going to get into next week, what, what does the very first verse say? Then I stood on the sand of the sea, and I saw a beast rising up out of the sea. Well, you know who he is now, but notice, having seven heads and ten horns, and on his head, and on his horns ten crowns, and on his heads a blasphemous name. We're going to define who that is in the coming weeks. Notice in verse 4, though, His tail drew a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth, and the dragon stood before the woman who was ready to give birth, to devour her child as soon as it was born. This third of the stars being dragged with his tail, stars are often called angels as well. And so when he draws a third of the stars, that's a third of the angels in heaven went with this guy. Think of what a deceiver he is. And think of the madness of it. He is a created being, and yet he has the chutzpah to say that I'm going to put my throne above the throne of God. I am going to be the one that's going to be worshipped. And then he, got, you know, he becomes a rock star, and everybody follows him on Twitter. <laughs> right? He's got a great Facebook page. Third of the angels go, wow, man. It's amazing to me that it appears that some of these angels have free will. They can, others don't, but these apparently do. They have free will, just like you. What a dangerous thing free will is. Choose wisely. Choose wisely. And notice, and the dragon stood before the woman who was ready to give birth. This woman, Israel, was about ready to give birth to the Messiah. All the prophecies have already been told about his birth, and now it was coming time. So you see in chapter 12, it's like a panorama from the very beginning of Israel's history, from their inception, right up until the very end. We're going to see it in very uh, uh, abbreviated form here. And so she's ready to give birth, and he's coming, this, this, this dragon, to devour her child as soon as it was born. And we see the part of that when Herod tried to kill Jesus by ordering all the infants. It's recorded for us in chapter 2. You remember that. You can read it. We're not going to take the time to go through there. But Herod was so jealous of of, of, his, of his own power. He was so protective over it, and his, he was willing to murder anyone who might be a threat to his throne. So much so that the Roman emperor, Augustus, once joked, and he said this, it's better to be Herod's pig than his son, because he murdered his sons. He murdered his wife. He was a murderer. He was a madman. He was a narcissist. <laughs> he was a power-hungry man. And when Herod's attempt failed to kill Jesus, the devil used the Roman Empire and the religious Jews even, the, the Pharisees, the Sadducees. He even went to one of Jesus' own disciples, of his 12 disciples. He chose one. He knew Judas. Before Judas was even born, the devil knew his father, and he was watching. And when Judas was born and he saw this young man and his characteristics and how he was forming, the devil says, oh, I can use that one. He really, likes, he really likes money, and he's a thief too. I'm going to use him to betray the Son of God. I'm going to use him. And certainly that ultimately did it. Satan never stopped. From the very beginning, just pounding, crunching, smashing all the way. He's not going to give up, but one day he will be taken and again, I can't wait for that day. 
But notice in verse 5, she bore a male child. This woman, Israel, she bore a male child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron, and her child was caught up to God and his throne. Who is this male child? Who is it? It's Jesus. Jesus Christ. And he's going to rule with a rod of iron. What does it say in Psalm 2? Yet I have set my king on my holy hill of Zion, God the Father says, and I will declare the the decree the Lord has said to me, You are my son, today I have begotten you, and ask of me, and I will give you the nations for your inheritance, and the ends of the earth for your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron. You shall dash them to pieces like a potter's vessel. The rod of iron, here it is. We look in the Old Testament, in the Psalms, we see who this male child is. He's going to rule with a rod of iron. And it's not only there, but it's also in Revelation chapter 2, when Jesus was dictating a letter to the the church at Thyatira. What did he say? And he who overcomes and keeps my works until the end, to him I will give power over the nations. And he, speaking of Jesus shall rule them with a rod of iron. They shall be dashed to pieces like the potter's vessel. Also, I have also received from my Father. Amazing. And then at the very end of the book of Revelation, when Jesus comes back on his white horse from heaven to the earth, what does it say? Out of his mouth goes a sharp sword that with it he should strike the nations, and he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. Do you think the millennial reign is going to be all peaceful and just pristine? For a good part, part, yes. But is, is there going to be still rebellion and uprisings? You better believe it. It'll be a blessing for us, but it's going to be not an easy time. Jesus will still reign on the throne and he'll have to rule with a rod of iron. Guess what? There'll be no impeachings going on. There'll be no congressional hearings He's going to say it, and it's going to be accomplished. It's not going to be, you know, you don't have to wait for three months for something to happen. You know, he can, he, <laughs> I won't go there. Um, when he says it, it's going to happen, and it's going to be immediate. Immediate. And notice that this child was caught up. When did that happen? When was this male child, Jesus Christ, when was he caught up? In the Greek, it means harpazo. Does that word ring a bell? Harpazo. To be caught up, to be snatched up. When did that happen? In his ascension, right? After his death on the cross, three days later he rises. Forty days later he ascends from the Mount of Olives. He goes to heaven. And that's where he's been ever since. He says, I'm I'm coming for you. I'm coming back that where I am, you may be also. That's when he comes in the rapture. And we will meet him in the clouds and our bodies are transformed. That's what 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 is all about. In fact, in verse 17 of 1 Thessalonians, um, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 verse 17, what does it say? It says that we which are alive and remain will be caught up. We will be harpazoed. We will be snatched up off the earth. Same thing happened when Uh, In the book of Acts, with Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch, after he baptized the Ethiopian eunuch, the Lord took Philip and translated him, put him somewhere else, immediately, just translated him, quickly. We know that this word caught up. So Jesus was caught up. And I'll have you notice that in the very first, look between verses 5 and 6, and what you're going to find conspicuously absent in this very Jewish chapter Between verses 5 and 6, you can put a little arrow and put the church. 
The church is not visible. It's not even in this at all. But where the church fits in chronologically is right in between verses 5 and 6. Because what happened after Jesus was caught up to his throne? Pentecost, Acts chapter 2 and 3. The church was born. And when the church is raptured, because we look at the very next verse, and then the woman fled into the wilderness. This is speaking of an event that's going to occur during the Great Tribulation period. But by that time, the church has already been removed in the rapture, right? So in between verses 5 and 6, we have this very conspicuously absent thing that happened called the church, you and I. Then the woman, verse 6, she fled into the wilderness where she was placed she has a place prepared by God, notice, and they should feed her there 1,260 days. That sounds familiar, doesn't it? What is 1,260 days? It's 42 months. It's three and a half years. Commit that to your memory because you see it over and over again, and it's speaking of this last three and a half year period of really unprecedented wrath upon the earth. It was bad before in the first three and a half, but now it's like the dial was probably on six or five, all of a sudden, it's breaking. It's cranked up to 11 when 11 doesn't exist. The dial is being stripped right out. Then the woman fled into the wilderness. The woman, Israel, during this tribulation period, she is going to flee and to a place prepared by God that they should feed her there 1,260 days. Again, notice the reference to 1,260 days. Now, if you look at this, you'll notice in the... Um, You'll see right here a map of Jordan, and here's Israel. Right up here is the Dead Sea. Over here is Israel. This is the Sea of Galilee way up here in the north. But in the south, there's a sea of uh, the Dead Sea. And then right below that south is a place in Jordan, which we know as Petra. And Petra is going to be the place we believe that, the, because the scriptures clearly, we believe, identify that place as a place where the Jews will run and they will hide from the Antichrist. They will be hunted people. The Antichrist is going to seek to destroy them. He's going to be in such a fury. And by the time that this really happens, he is going to be indwelt by Satan himself. The Bible tells us that he's going to be receive a deadly wound. And somehow, probably at that time, he is going to revive. And have you known anybody to be possessed by a devil, much less the king of devils himself? And do you think he's going to sprout horns? Oh, no. He's going to be so smooth. He's going to speak so well. He's going to look really good. He's not going to look like we think, folks. People aren't going to be able, on the earth at that time, they're not going to be going, oh, that's obviously the Antichrist. I saw a horn stick out. No. Nothing like that. He's going to be the man of the hour. Everyone is going to praise him. Oh, all the things that we've wanted, he's given us. The Jews are going to be ecstatic. But he will ultimately show his colors. But the Jews are going to hide in this area in Jordan, in Petra, we believe. In fact, in Isaiah uh, 63, it says this. Speaking of this place that the Jews will hide, it says, Who is this who comes from Edom? Because Petra is in the land of Edom, or in the land of Basra, in current-day Jordan. I've never been there. Has anybody here been to Jordan? I know Virginia has. And, you know, I would love to go there sometime, because that place is stocked, from what I understand. Christians, for 
Many, 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 many years have been going into those caves and hiding Bibles and, 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 and goods and things that they can, they can use. And the, the, the natural man who's an unbeliever is like, oh, let them do whatever they want. It's a big deal. They don't believe this. <laughs> but when it happens, the Jews are going to go there and find that they've got everything for them. And there may be other provisions that God will give them that we know nothing about. But notice, who is this who comes from Edom with dyed garments from Basra? This one, speaking of Jesus, is glorious in his apparel, traveling in the greatness of his strength. I who speak in righteousness, mighty to save. That's who it is. Why is your apparel red and your garments like one who treads in the winepress? The question is asked, and Jesus will reply, I have trodden the winepress alone, and from the peoples no one was with me, for I have trodden them in my anger, trampled them in my fury. Their blood is sprinkled upon my garments, and I have stained all my robes, for the day of vengeance is in my heart, and the year of my redeemed has come. God is going to intervene. Jesus, when he returns, he is going to intervene, and he's going down to Basra. He's going to go down to Petra and he's going to deliver those Jews who have been hiding from the Antichrist, whom he has marvelously prepared. I love in Micah chapter 2, this is really wonderful. Micah says in chapter 2, verse 12, I will surely assemble all of you, O Jacob, speaking of the woman. I will surely gather the remnant of Israel. I will put them together like sheep of the fold. Like a flock in the midst of their pasture, they shall make a loud noise because of so many people. That word fold, when he says, I will put them together like the sheep of the fold, the very word fold is the word Basra, this location where Petra is, where they will be provided for. You remember in Matthew 24, Jesus said this in his Olivet Discourse. He said, therefore, and he's speaking to his disciples, the Jews, Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation, spoken of by Daniel the prophet, who we know is the coming Antichrist, when he stands in the holy place, whoever reads, let him understand, then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let him who is on the housetop not go down and take anything out of his house, and let him who is in the field not go back to get his clothes. But woe to those who are pregnant and to those who are nursing baby in those days. And pray that your flight be not in the winter or on the Sabbath, because travel is going to be very difficult if you're a pregnant woman. And traveling in the wintertime is really bad because it's, it's really cold and sometimes there's even snow on the ground. And traveling on the Sabbath, forget it. Nothing's moving. You're going to walk. And unless, And he says, For then there will be great tribulation. Jesus said this, such has not been since the beginning of the world until this time. No, nor ever shall be. And you've heard this before, and unless those days were shortened, no one should survive it. Unless he came back in his second coming to end it, nobody would survive. Because we've already seen, I think, I think it was like by the fifth trumpet, over 58% of the earth is dead. At least 58%. And why Petra? In Daniel chapter 11, I found this. This is really awesome. It says at the time of the end, Daniel is being clued in on end times prophecy. And, and, and he is told, Daniel is told, it says, at the, and this is Daniel 11 verse 40, at the time of the end, we're talking about the time of the end, are we not? At the time of the end, the king of the south shall attack him, speaking of the Antichrist, and the king of the north shall come against him like a whirlwind with chariots, horsemen, and with many ships, and he shall enter the countries, overwhelm them, and pass through. He shall also enter the glorious land, which we know as Israel. And many countries shall be overthrown, but notice the ones that aren't. 
but these shall escape from his hand, Edom and Moab and the prominent people of Ammon. Where is Petra? It's in Edom. That's where it is. For some reason, he just, it's just going to escape him. He's not going to be able to, to get into that area for some reason. We don't understand all the implications of that. Those who are going to see it firsthand will know, but we don't know. But notice what happens in verse 7. Satan is thrown out of heaven. Just before we read about the beast and the Antichrist and the false prophet in Revelation chapter 13, we finally see this part, this part when the heavens are going to rejoice. Notice, and war broke out in heaven, and Michael and his angels fought with the dragon. Who is the dragon? It's Satan. We already know that. It's already been defined for us. So we now we see this Michael, and he's going to fight against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought. Michael is the archangel. He's a very powerful angel, very powerful. We see him in history throughout the Bible. He's referred to as an archangel. In fact, in Jude, What does it say? Yet Michael, the archangel, in contending with the devil, when he disputed about the body of Moses, dare not bring against him a railing accusation, but said, The Lord rebuke you. So this very powerful angel is going to be fighting against Satan and against those angels that will ultimately rebel, and God will kick them out of heaven. And I love what it says in Daniel chapter 12 too. What does it say? That's one of the reasons why Daniel, the book of Daniel, has been so hated. There's been no book of prophecy that has been more attacked than Daniel. God gave to this wonderful man, Daniel, such great vision and very specific instructions about things that were going to happen many hundreds of years after he would pass from the scene. And they were so precise, in fact, that many tried to assume that Daniel was written as a book much later after those things have already occurred so that somebody could write it and make it look like you know they knew what they were talking about. Hey, listen, if the God you serve doesn't know all things, then we might as well give up. If we, if we don't believe what he says, does he have the ability to speak things before they happen. I think he's shown himself to be very capable of doing that. Thank you very much. He's omniscient. He's omnipresent. He's omnipotent. There's no one like him. It's very easy for him to speak. That's why we're reading this. These are things that are coming. Has Jesus lied to us yet? Has he lied to you? The devil will lie to you. Your flesh will lie to you. But Jesus will never, ever lie to you. It's, he's not even capable of it. People lie when they, because they don't know the truth. But because he is the truth, he can tell it like it is. Do you know what an incredible advantage that is? You hide, you, you lie to cover things up that you don't know. But when you know all things, why is there reason to lie? I can tell you exactly what's going to happen, and you can try and stop it. But guess what? When it, when it comes, it's amazing to me. If you read about this stuff, there have been generals and, uh, in Israel, you know, the, the Eastern Gate, and people are trying to go in there and open that up, and Jesus said, hey, it's not going to happen. They've tried. They've all failed. For heaven's sake, it's just a... I've been there myself just a few, month, you know, a month or so, a few months ago at the Eastern Gate right there, and I know there's a gate underneath there. Just get a construction crew, man. Just get a couple of backloaders and get it done. Try it. You will fail. Because when God says something, he means it, and he means what he says. Notice, verse 8, but they did not prevail. These demons, Satan and his demons, they did not prevail, nor was there any place found for them in heaven any longer. God always wins. He always prevails. Satan always loses. What team do you want to be on? 
Hopefully all of us in this room have chosen the right team. Today you have an opportunity to change your team. If you're not on the Lord's team, they will be evicted from heaven and they've had the opportunity to stand before God and they're still there right now accusing us before God even at this very moment. But when this, I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our journey through the book of Revelation. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things, such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester Sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play and Apple Podcast. You may also join us on Sundays and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.